0: So take our Bibles tonight to Psalm 37. The title of the message is The Destruction of the Wicked and the Legacy of the Righteous. Tonight we're going to, of course, contrast the wicked with the righteous, the legacy of the righteous. And how many of you want to have a legacy when you leave here? Do you want to have a legacy that your grandchildren, your great-grandchildren will know that Mama and Papa, they love the Lord they were faithful. They stayed married. Uh, my wife's uncle uh, passed away this week, and and um, more than likely I'll be pre- uh, preaching the funeral. But his legacy was that he he raised his family, he worked hard, he provided for his family, and he was married to his wife for 68 years. <laughs> I'm telling you, that's a big deal. And um, I just, you know, more and more I think about how the decisions that I make today and you are the same. Uh, you are creating a legacy. You are setting the, the direction for your generations to follow. And how many of you say, "I want to break some generational curses in my family. I want to break some cycles that have been going on for generations in my family." I'm thankful uh, that God has allowed, uh, you know, many of us to see that our, that process begin and. And, um, you know, we want to finish strong, right? But anyways, the title, once again, is The Destruction of the Wicked and the Legacy of the Righteous. Um, I'm not going to read uh, this whole psalm, but I'm going to read a few of the verse, verses in the beginning. Verse number one, do not fret because of evildoers, nor be envious of the workers of iniquity, for they soon shall they shall soon be cut off. Like Down like grass and wither as the green herb. Trust in the Lord and do good and dwell in the land and feed on his faithfulness. Delight thyself also in the Lord and he shall give you the desires of your heart. I'm going to stop reading there. The destruction of the wicked is always looming. Now, you can put up the first slide. I want you to see. I'm going to read some of these verses like we just read a moment ago. It says, do not fret because of evildoers. Now, what David is saying here is that we as the righteous, those who love the Lord, who follow his commands, who live in such a way to honor him, when we observe the wicked and their, their, their evil works and what they, of course, are propagating in the world, our response oftentimes is to get upset, right? That word there means do not, okay, to not get heated. So what David is saying here is don't fret. Don't get heated when you see uh, the evil that the wicked man is doing. Do not allow it to get under your skin to the point where it causes you to uh, worry, to, to fret, to needlessly toil on what they are doing. What he is encouraging them to do is, of course, to wait on the Lord. You see, I've learned this, and it's true. The word of God often speaks of this, that the wicked, it, they won't stand the test of time. Look what it says. Verse number two, for they, sh- they shall soon be cut down like the grass and wither as the green herb. You know, a green herb, you know, here in this desert. We have a few days of drought, right? You don't water your grass, you know, your green grass really quickly will dry up, will, will, will wither up. And in the Middle East, where David was, of course, it was the same. It was the very same climate, a desert type of climate. And, and um, so what David was saying is that the, the, even though the wicked look like they're thriving, that they're a green plant that's flourishing, don't worry. Soon, they will be cut down. So don't, don't spend your days worrying about the wicked. You see the wicked. It seems like they're feasting right now, right? <laughs> they're eating what they want. They're living how they want. It seems like there's no justice in the land. We're, we're hearing more and more in our our country of corruption and how you know these uh, these entities have tried to sway elections and steal things. And we're seeing it happen in real time. We're seeing the the, the wicked uh, just. Take their stand and continue to propagate wickedness. But I want to encourage you. You see, when the wicked eat, it's like a man on death row eating his last meal. They're having the pleasure for a season. They, you know, it seems like all is well. It seems like there will never be judgment. But I, I just want to tell you, the word of God says differently. The word of God says they will soon be cut off. Evil doers, verse 9, the beginning of that verse, they will soon, and, and you know what? God is patient. He, he, sometimes the wheel of his justice rolls in our eyes slowly, but I'm telling you, it's coming and, and let me tell you church, don't fret. When we see the the evil going on, uh, we of course wait for the one who will avenge the helpless, who will set the rights uh, the wrongs right, the one who will rise up and show his power, like we learned last week the The wicked think that God isn 't concerned with the wickedness and isn 't concerned with the widow and the orphans and those who are being exploited oh i 'm telling you he is taking clear and, and, and conscious uh, effort to see what 's going on. And one day he's going to rectify things. And I want to encourage you with that, that the wicked will soon be cut off and they will be surely cut off. They will not, uh, they will not be allowed to have a, long, a longevity in their wickedness, I promise you, church family. They'll be cut off soon, they'll be cut off surely, they'll be cut off completely. Look at verse number 10. It says, for yet a little while and the wicked shall be no more. Indeed, you will look carefully for his place, but you shall, but you, but it shall be no more. You're gonna look around for the wicked in a few years, y'all. And you won't even be able to find where they lived. Every, you, look it up, guys. I mean, most, most legacies of, of men and women who lived out wickedness in the world, you, it's hard to find anyone in their line who are blessed after them. You see it all throughout Scripture when God would send in His army and He tell He tell them, you know what, you, you know, cut off everyone that let me excuse my French, but it's in the Bible that peas against the wall. He, he said, cut it off and and you'll see it. They'll be erased from from uh, from the future. There will not be. A lasting legacy as we'll see in a moment that of course the righteous will have. They are going to be completely removed from the earth. But let me keep moving. Let's go to the next slide. The wicked, they of course, they're known for their scheming against the just. Look at verse 12. They hate the righteous. The wicked plots against the just, and he gnashes at him with his teeth. There's a hatred towards those who will stand for righteousness, those who love the Lord, those who uh, live justly in the land. Have you sensed that over the days uh, recently? It seems like the hatred for that which is holy is rising in this nation. And we're going to be enemy number one pretty soon, those who stand for the Bible for the truth found in it. And, and it's nothing new. You see, there's nothing new under the sun. There's always been wickedness and, and men and women who enjoy it and who thrive under it, who, who seemingly do everything they can to propagate truth. But they always are in opposition to uh, the, the righteous. And I've, I've come to find it you know, confirming in my life when when the demons on people start to try to rile me up when the attacks, the spiritual attacks come and when I'm in the gym and it just seems like this person has it out for me, there's always that and I just take it for what it is I know it, uh, the devil doesn't like the anointing on my life, he doesn't like that I stand for the the gospel of Jesus Christ he doesn't like it for you either so I'd be worried if you never are under spiritual attack might be that you aren't a, a warrior. It might be that you aren't, you aren't a threat to the, the kingdom of darkness. It might be that you're on cruise control. You're just going through life. You know, David was able to, of course, win many battles for God. He was on, the, uh, of course, the victorious side. They said, Saul, you killed your thousands, but David, his ten thousands. And I'm telling you, if you're going to be a man or woman or God, of God, you're going to be in battle. And the wicked, they're going to hate us. They're going to scheme against us. They're going to desire to destroy us. Look at verse 14. The wicked have drawn the sword and have bent their bow to cast down the poor and needy to slay those who are of an upright conduct. You see, they're going to do everything they can to assassinate us. Today, they'll do so uh through labeling you names, calling you things, trying to cancel you because you stand for the truth uh, of the word of God. And I'm telling you, it's it's the weapons of our warfare. They're not carnal, but I'm telling you, uh, the spiritual warfare that we're in, it's it's nothing different. It's nothing new. We are going to be the target of the enemy's attacks. And he's going to desire to uh, destroy us, to put us down and to set us up. But I'm telling you, he can't. Greater is, you, greater is he that is in you than he that is in the world. I always remind myself of this. I remind myself of that I'm a child of the king. That even though the wicked plot and scheme and, and want to put us down, they can't. And it goes on. It says that the their plans will backfire. Their plans will look at verse 15, y'all. I'm moving fast. there's a lot tonight. Their sword shall enter their own heart. And their bows shall be broken. You see, it's kind of it's kind of funny, but the, the traps and the and the weapons that they try to use against us, the righteous, will be the same ones that uh, destroy them. I, I'm thinking about, of course, when uh, or oh, was it uh I'm forgetting? Was it Esther? Yes, when they were going to try to, or, or they, were, they had the plan. I'm forgetting his name. Haman, yes, thank you, Haman had the plan to eradicate the Jews, and of course, uh, he was, of course, scheming to have this happen, but God, of course, raised up Esther, and and the same, uh, the same uh, you know, hanging instrument that he thought he was going to have the Jews killed on is where he hung, and I'm just telling you, this is true, God will have the final say, we will not be destroyed, God's people will always rise up, even in persecution. I've seen it and I'm telling you that the times are coming where we're going to have to have our faith secure in the fact that yes, it may get difficult here in this country to be a Christian. Yes, it may cause you to lose maybe employment for a while. Yes, it may cause you to have to, to make some lifestyle changes. But let me let me tell you, in the end, we win. We win. And the weapons that they're using against us will ultimately be to their end. Ultimately destroyed. Let's go to the next slide. I want you to just see it once again the wickets and they will be broken down. The arms of the wicked shall be broken. I want you to see it. Verse twenty. But the wicked shall perish, and the enemies of the Lord, like the splendor of the metal, shall vanish into smoke. They shall vanish away. I'm telling you, it's going to be just like that. They're going to disappear. They'll be broken down and disappear. Verse 21. It says the wicked borrows and does not repay. Their their finances will be their money will become funny. They won't even be able to pay back what they borrowed. And of course, this is speaking, of course, about the, the character of the of the wicked. They don't keep their word. They don't repay what they borrow. And and of course, we as God's people, we should have a different testimony. Amen. Amen. Verse 22. But those cursed by him shall be cut off. And I just want you to see it. David says it many different ways in this psalm. That the wicked who who are plotting against the righteous, those who hate God and, and the knowledge of him, they will soon be cut off. They will be removed from the earth. The destruction of the wicked, it is, the, it is as sure as the sun will come up tomorrow. God, of course, will execute his promises. And I want you to just grasp that tonight. Don't live defeated. Don't live in fear. Don't live fretting and worry. Don't let it ruin your day tomorrow when you see the headlines, when you see the, uh, the wickedness that is being uh, promoted. I'm telling you, don't let it get under your skin because God will have the final say. The destruction of the wicked. But I want you to see, secondly, tonight, the destiny of the righteous. The destiny of the righteous. Now, I broke this up. I want you to go to the next slide. There we are. The righteous. Look at, look at the pattern of the righteous I see. Look, verse number three. The Bible says this. It says that they trust in the Lord. And do good. Dwell in the land and feed on his faithfulness. Delight yourself also in the Lord and he will give you the desires of your heart. Commit your way to the Lord and trust in him also. Let me just unpack those for a moment here. The pattern of the righteous is one that trusts in the Lord. Are you trusting in your stock market or your retirement? Are you trusting in your cryptocurrency account tonight? Are you trusting in your job or whatever it might be? Oh, how many of you guys have realized over the last year or two that you can't put your trust in any of that? Some trust in chariots. Some trust in But I trust in the name of the Lord. My hope Is built on nothing less than Jesus Christ and His righteousness. I'm telling you, uh, my future is bright, not because of the fiscal, uh, you know, projections of next year. My future is bright because of whom I belong to. Do you believe that? When we start to get hungry. I was in Costco the last three days and there haven't been any eggs on the shelf. I'm telling you, it's coming, y'all. But we're still blessed, right? I'm still blessed. I still have the joy of the Lord, even though I see where things are going and how this country is going into the toilet. Even though I see and I, you know, if you look at What's going on? It could cause you to, to to fear, but no. My eyes is on the hill. I lift my eyes to the hill from whence cometh my help. Uh, I, my help isn't from man. I don't trust in man or governments or or any other type of uh, physical thing. I trust in my Lord, and this is what this is what David is saying. The righteous do they trust in the Lord? They trust in the Lord, and they do good. They, they live out righteousness and they dwell in the land and they feed on his faithfulness is what he says. Oh, his faithfulness is great, isn't it? And it's new every morning. You know, there's going to be fresh faithfulness for us in the morning tomorrow if we wake up. Right. Amen. Amen. Like the manna that would fall on the ground for those Israelites. I'm telling you, for those Hebrews in the wilderness. I'm telling you, that's what we have to get focused on. God, I trust your faithfulness. I trust your provision. I trust your power. I don't trust in the things that I can see or what I can conjure up on my own ability. I trust you, Lord. The righteous trust him. But not only do they trust him, they delight in him. Is he your delight tonight? (laughs) It says, delight yourself also in the Lord, and he shall give you the desires of your hearts. One commentary said this, that that means to expect all happiness from him and to seek it in him. I've said this many times, that the only thing in our lives that can't be taken from us is is God, is Jesus. So if he is our ultimate source of joy then we are secure even when things around us begin to unravel. And you guys understand that our lives, you know, it's so fragile. Things in our lives, our health, our our families, everything else in this world is really fragile. But only the foundation of Jesus Christ will stand the test of time. And so if he is what we delight in, then we are secure. Your joy is secure in him. And uh, I I hate to just hit this over the head again, but I think many Christians do not delight in God because they do not know him very well. The reason why they don't know him very well is because they don't spend much time with him. Oh, the more I get to know him, the more I find him to be sweeter than honey fresh out of the comb the more i find him to be good the more i find uh just to love about him the more i seek him oh the more i get to know him oh he is altogether lovely do you believe that i'm telling you he's my joy i thought you know like some of you oh once i got married oh man it'll be perfect it'll be great you know I found out I'm a sinner. I found out things about myself, you know. I thought, oh man, we start having kids. Oh, we're just going to have that white picket fence and, you know, the the American dream and, you know, things are just going to be great. And I found out things aren't always peachy when you have five kids. (laughs) Sometimes it's frustrating, you know. And I found out, you know, it's not found in material or or relational uh, relationships. It's my joy. is found in the Perfect one. He's perfection, y'all. There's nothing that you need that you won't find in Jesus. Do you believe that? Is He at the center of your your, your life? Do you delight in Him? And I've learned that, that the pattern is this once we delight in Him first, then He can trust us to give us the desires of our heart. You see, once you get close to Jesus, You can't help but, but be, become like him. You see, David was a man after God's own heart. David spent much time in the presence of God and solitude with God and, and searching God and worshiping God and writing songs for God. David was immersed in God. So his heart was being fashioned into the image of his father. And I'm telling you, your children, they have a lot of your tendencies, don't they? They're not just like you, but the more time they spend, the more influence that you have in their lives, of course. And that is why, uh, you know, David was like his father in heaven because he spent time. In his, ple- in his presence and he found pleasure in his presence and many Christians don't find pleasure in his presence because they don't spend the time with him. They found it somewhere else. They're more fulfilled in, in the hobby or with the boyfriend or in the entertainment or whatever you want to put in the blank. But David said the light, the righteous, They delight in the Lord. And they also, but I want to just say this. It's okay to find delight in other joys and pleasures that God has provided. You notice David's language was delight yourself in the Lord, also in the Lord. Excuse me. So there is nothing wrong with delighting yourself in your family, in a good meal, a good, you know, time spent on vacation. There's nothing wrong with that. I'm not preaching. This, um, you know, we're ultra spiritual that we don't have fun in the world. I find it to be true that Christians, we should be the most uh, in having the most fun because we know the king of kings. And then that joy is going to, of course, impact the atmosphere of our homes. It's going to impact, you know, where we work. People should we should have infectious joy, shouldn't we? And we should have fun. Make memories with your family. I want to tell you this. Jesus, as you study His life, He took time to go to weddings when He got invited. He took time, of course, as we were learning, He, he went to Mary, Lazarus, and Martha's home, and he, he, he had times of fellowship. And I want to tell you, some of you Christians, you're, you're, you're just so isolated, you don't want to let anybody in your life, you don't want anyone speaking into your life, you, you keep, you, as soon as, I, I see it all the time, I'm out and about, you know, and You know, it seems like I run into, like, so many church members, you know, at Costco, right? And, uh, some of them I've never seen this side of heaven. Like, they're like, I just heard your voice and I recognize you. I'm like, oh, what's your name? I've never, I've never met you. And, uh, you know, and it's just, it's just funny to me, like, uh, you know, some people, after we say amen or right before we say amen, they're out of those doors in their car and they don't want anything to do with, The body, and I don't, I don't understand that. We have to take two cars because I, I I stay in here, you know, and talk to you guys, you know, too long sometimes. You know, the ushers are cutting off the lights on us. Sometimes I take that personally. Like, wait, I'm in here. I can lock it up. Just let me know. No, no, you guys are great. I'm sorry. I love you guys. But we should be delighting in the Lord. (laughs) <laughs> and I learned this, when we delight in God, he delights in us. <laughs> you see, Lazarus knew that Jesus loved him. Because Lazarus loved the Lord, and, and there's, there was an intimacy there. I'm telling you, God speaks to me. He speaks to me in ways that I know it's him. He, he does little things to bless me uh, that I know it's from him and I know he heard my prayer and I, I know that he's in my day to day and we're going to see later on that the, the steps of a good man, a righteous man and I know none of us are good, we're all filthy sinners but in Christ we're declared righteous but the Bible says the steps of a good man we're going to see are ordered by the Lord and God is going to direct you, the Bible says trust in the Lord with all, uh, with trust and, and you, you lean not into to your own understanding and in all your your paths acknowledge him and all your ways acknowledge him and he will direct your path. I'm trying to get there. He's going to direct your life. He's going to put you in that place where you're going to get the promotion. He's going to put you in that place where you're going to be able to be a blessing to someone. He's going to direct you. He's going to show his favor on your life. The pattern of the righteous we trust in the Lord and we delight in the Lord and we commit our way to the Lord look at verse number five commit your way to the Lord trust in him also once again I am saying God I trust you you lead me where you desire to to have me God I commit my way to you I am yours use me as you please Lord and that's the 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 way that the righteous should live are we committing our ways to the Lord Is everything in our lives centered around is this bringing God glory is this what he would have for me to do is this what he would have me to say right now is this how I should respond to the situation God I'm committing my way to you but I want you to see verse number six we are favored by God the righteous look at this he says he shall bring forth your righteousness as a light he's going to lift you up he's going to bring forth your righteousness and, and your justice as new as noonday God is going to shine the light on you when you commit your way to Him. When you delight in Him, when you trust in Him, God is going to elevate you. God is going to put you in a place where you can shine. He's going to He's going to bring forth your light uh, so that the world and and those around you will know that you are His and that uh, you know that He's blessed you. What did it say about David? He behaved himself wisely, and everybody knew that the hand of His God was on him. Everybody knew who David belonged to. Everybody knew that uh, God had blessed David. Uh, It was evident in his life that the presence of God was there. Joseph, the same. And all throughout scripture, we see men and women who commit their lives to God and live for Him no matter the circumstance. And God blesses them. I just want to tell someone in here tonight, it may seem like you're just spinning your wheels in life. You're not getting anywhere. You're not fulfilled. You're not you don't have peace and joy. Commit your life to God. Give it to him. Just sign it over (laughs) Say, God. I know you can do more with my life than I could ever do and have your way. Oh, I'm telling you, there's so much peace and contentment found in that in the will of God. You'll see his favor. No doubt. Let's go to the next slide. The pattern of the righteous, they rest in the Lord. They rest in the Lord. Look at it, it says, rest in the Lord and wait patiently for him. Do not fret because of him who prospers in his way, because of the man who brings wicked schemes to pass. So I want you to just get that first portion of that. We, We rest in the Lord and we wait on the Lord. Waiting time isn't wasting time. And when you rest in God, when you're, 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 you're in a good position, when you're trusting him, you're resting in him and all that he has promised, I'm telling you, that's the best place you can be. That's the best sleep you'll ever get. <laughs> How many of you pillow your head at night and you're not worried about what's going to happen? I'm telling you, God gives me sweet rest. It doesn't matter what the news headline says. The Bible says that he gives his beloved sleep, he gives rest, he rejuvenates the inner man, even though the outer man perishing. I'm telling you, this is practical, guys. This is practical. I'm telling you, some of you, 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 you've resorted to sleeping pills because you don't rest in the Lord. You're wringing your hands at night wondering how you're going to pay that and do this, and you're not resting in the Lord. And I'm just going to encourage you, come and bring whatever is... Causing you to be anxious to the to the throne of grace tonight. Come to the altar tonight. Lay it down. I, I know I'm talking to some people right now who are going through a lot, but you can rest in the Lord. You can trust Him. You can just wait and see what He will do when He sees your faith. I, I shared this a few months ago, but I lost my wallet. I was at a store, and, and um, let me tell you, I looked I looked for a good while. I went back into the store where I was at, and I had them look at the cameras and. And I just thought, man, this is, man, this is bad, but God, this isn't going to ruin my day. I trust you. You know, I did what I had to do. I had to call the credit card company and, company and the, you know, the bank. And but anyways, I went on with the day. And, um, sure enough, about two hours later, I hear a knock at the door. And I was like, you're expecting someone, honey? She's like, no. And so I go and I, I open the door and it's a, a young lady and she's like, hey, um, I found your wallet. And she said this. She said, I lost my wallet about a month ago. And, uh, I never got it back. And I knew how that felt. And so she, she drove all the way from Palmdale and she brought it to my house. I gave her a big hug, gave her money for gas. And, and I said, thank you, Lord. I told my kids, look at God, children. <laughs> and I believe, you know, that if it would have been a different person, you know, a different story. But God, even in our, Absentee mind, even in our rush and our, you know, some, I've always been that way. You know, I, I would lose my head if it wasn't attached to me. I'm gonna be honest with you. And um, but God was so gracious to me in that situation, and that's just a small one. But I'm telling you, we've got to have our lives just immersed in that. That God, I trust you. You see, in this time. You had to trust God for rain to have crops. You had to trust God for a good harvest. You had to trust You couldn't just swipe a card like we can. I'm telling you, you had to trust God when you got sick. I'm telling you, it was a whole different time in the world. And I'm afraid that we in America, we've become so dependent and we put our faith and our trust in so many other things apart from God. And so when it comes to those situations, where only if God shows up, we'll make it through it. We don't have the faith to sustain us. We, we crumble. And I'm telling you, we've got to get back to being the people who are defined by our faith, that we rest and we wait on the Lord. And I want you to see, we should also cease from anger. And this is along the lines of not fretting and not getting angry and heated I want you to see it though he says cease from anger and forsake wrath do not fret he says it again it only causes harm David said righteous man you should not be a wrathful person you should cease from anger some of you men in this room you can fly off a handle really easy right you, you have an anger issue, and you have a wrath issue, and your, your kids and your family know it well. They know when to walk on eggshells. And I'm telling you, this is not... The 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 way a righteous man should live. A righteous man uh, should be filled with grace. We're going to see in just a moment that we should we should walk in the spirit, so we are not fulfilling the urges of the flesh. And I want to just encourage some of you men tonight to cease from anger, to cease from having that quick temper, to to forsake wrath in your life, to be a man who is known for his meekness. And I want to encourage you and remind you that meekness is not weakness when you don't say something when you could destroy that person when you don't respond it with the same energy when your spouse says something to push your button I'm telling you that's not weakness that is strength and ask God for that grace I'm asking God for that grace every day of my life so that I can honor him so that I can leave the legacy Preach a funeral for a man here a few weeks ago and he wasn't a church guy, but let me tell you, I was convicted with the testimony of his wife and his daughters. They said, I can't remember one time my dad losing his temper with me. I can't remember one time my dad yelling at me. I can't remember one time where he just flew off the handle said he was the most gracious person they ever knew. He even when he had to discipline, he would do so gently. Are we that way? And I, I just want to encourage us men to seek more of God so that we can put off wrath. And so the righteous, the pattern of the righteous but I want you to see the legacy of the righteous. Look at verse number 11. Let's go to the next slide. It says, but the meek, remember I was just talking about the meek, right? <laughs> the meek shall inherit the earth and shall delight themselves in the abundance of peace. You see, the legacy of the righteous that they will inherit the earth, the meek. Now, there is coming a day when our Lord our king. He will rule and reign on this planet, right? And I truly believe this is a reference to that millennial kingdom that the meek will inherit the earth. Do you guys understand that scripture clearly outlines that you and I, the saints, that we will rule and reign with him? And I don't know about you, that is something that I look forward to, I look forward to wherever Jesus assigns me. I'm hoping it's somewhere near the shore. Some of you gonna get are going to get Palmdale. Some of you are going to get, get Lake L.A. <laughs> I'm just messing with you. <laughs> but for a thousand literal years, Jesus will reign. He'll reign from Jerusalem. He'll sit on the throne of David. He will execute judgment with a rod iron. He's going to. He's going to. Um, he's, it's going to be a perfect rule. And I. So what he's saying is that those right now who are meek, who wait on the Lord, who trust in the Lord, who who are 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 resting in the Lord, who are living out uh, His righteousness, there will one day be a day when they inherit the earth. Will they? rule and reign the earth. And no one will be able to take it from you. No one will be able to usurp you. No one will be able to remove you because Jesus would have been the one who set us up in our positions. And I want to encourage you guys with that. Maybe this side, maybe right now in life, you, you seemingly haven't accomplished much. You don't own much. You don't, I mean, you don't have a lot to, to show in the world's eyes for your, for your existence. But I'm telling you, if you are in Christ. There is coming a day where you will put on your royal garments with Jesus. And you and I will rule and reign with him. But I want you to see not only the legacy of that in the future, but while we on earth, we are blessed. Look at verse 16. It says, a little that a righteous man has is better than the riches of many wicked. God will bless even our little. We used to sing a song in, in seminary. It was called, Little is Much When God Is In It. <laughs> Little is much when God is in it. And I'm telling you, I've told you guys this. Some of the happiest days of my life is when I didn't have two nickels to rub together. And I know millionaires who have no peace in their home. Who have no joy. Who have no uh, lasting, uh you know, just pleasure. Because it gets old. <clears throat> when you can buy everything, it gets old, you know. <laughs> it, it doesn't... Anything in this side of the of, of eternity, truthfully, cannot fulfill us. It cannot sustain us. Cannot bring us joy. Now, don't get me wrong. If one of you wanted to park that brand new Shelby, you know, Mustang, you know, whatever it is, in my for Christmas, hey, I'll be happy for a few years with that. But I'm telling you, it'll get dented. Knowing me, I'll go too fast, get a ticket, you know, or, you know, something like. You, the joy will wear off, you know. I remember we bought our first new car, brand new, off the lot, and I should have listened to my wife. I should have listened to her, and I said, and just walked away, you know, but I, I said, you know what? I've never done this. I've been, you know, I drove my same Lincoln Town car for eight years with no AC, with no heat in the winter, and, and you know what? I deserved this. <laughs> I remember the day where Shortly after we got it, um, somebody hit it, or, or was it wasn't my wife. I think she had a fender bender, right? And I'm telling you, the joy of that new car dissipated right then. Took it to the, the shop. They painted it. The, the bumper didn't match. You know how when your bumper gets, the bumper didn't match anymore. That We went on vacation, and the AC stopped working. And I'm telling you, I was... <sighs> Just short lived, y'all. I'm just being honest. Like anybody else, experienced things like that. But, but the legacy of the righteous is that we will experience God's blessings, and God's blessings is not dependent upon material or circumstances. I know people who have less than you and I. They live on a few dollars a month. But they have far more joy, far more peace, far more of the Spirit of God than we can ever claim to have. And I just want to remind us tonight. That what our legacy should really be centered on is our love for Christ and, and His blessing that will come on our lives because of it. Look at, He says, the arm of the wicked shall be broken, but the Lord upholds, verse 17, the righteous. He upholds the righteous. He will bless us. He will give us all that we need in Him. But I want you to see not only will we see, uh, we inherit the earth and have blessings, but I want you to see we'll have a lasting Heritage, a lasting uh, inheritance. Once you see verse 18. And the Lord knows the days of the upright and their inheritance shall be forever. The Lord knows the days of the upright and their inheritance shall be forever. This is, post, I think, posterity is the word. Their inheritance shall last forever. I, I promise you, if you... Look at the line of, of, of those who love the Lord, those who serve the Lord, those who live for the Lord. You'll see there's blessing after blessing after generation after generation. And I'm telling you what, what God does for His beloved, it, it goes to the Tenth generation, it goes to the hundred generation. When when God uh, is going to bless a man, it's going to far outlive him or his kids or his children's kids. And I'm telling you, this is what we should live for. God, I want you to bless my grandkids, grandkids. I want my kids down the line to be able to point back to. You see, before Daddy, oh his dad was an alcoholic and a womanizer and he left the family, and his dad did the same thing. But you see, right here around after. Daddy gave his heart to the Lord. I I see after this, there's a missionary coming out of his family. Oh, I see after this, oh, there's this blessing, this pro athlete, whatever it might be. I see blessing after blessing after blessing. And this is what God has promised us, that the inheritance of the righteous will last forever. Some of you, you should pray to this end that I want my legacy to be one that... I was the one that God used to break those chains, to, to, to set up the future generations. And, and I'm not talking about just money-wise. I'm talking about spiritual heritage. You know, something that we all can do is leave a spiritual heritage. I may not leave my children two nickels. And I've seen, I've been at the tables, I've been, I've seen the siblings fight over what mom and dad leaves, <laughs> Truthfully, I think I'm like Steve Harvey. Steve Harvey said, this isn't y'all money. This is my money. I'm going to spend as much of it <laughs> as I can, is what he said. I'm going to enjoy it while I'm here, is what he said. But anyhow, no, the Bible says a righteous leaves an inheritance to his son. And I've seen it. I've seen men of God who, who've done it right. And, um, man, one of, one of my pastors What he did for his his sons, you know, they worked their way through college, but once they finished college, he put the down payment on their first home. And so he's given them a a, a head start, right? He's given them a home, something that's going to have equity, something that's going to be a stability in their lives. And um, that's something that I desire. Men with daughters, you know, your daughters should, this is my, and maybe I'm wrong for this, I know everybody has their own opinions, so you do what God tells you to do, but uh, I believe that a man, a daddy who's raised a daughter, he should give his daughter away, that his daughter should be under his care until he walks her down this aisle and puts his hand into another man who's going to now put the bill, right? I'm looking forward to that. (laughs) So your daughter should be taken care of. You know, my sons, I'm, I'm 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 gonna make them work, (laughs) you know. About hopefully by the time that they're eighteen I've done my job so they're ready to go out and work. Nowadays, you know, people are staying home till they're thirty and and, and I don't know about that for a young man. But I don't know where I was going with that. Uh (laughs) a lasting inheritance, yeah, uh we should leave To our families, uh, a a spiritual legacy, but I do believe on the financial side, we should uh, be wise stewards of what God has given us. Now, if I have a child who is irresponsible, who has proven not to be trustworthy, you better believe I will write them out of the living trust. Or there will be stipulations, (laughs) you know. But I'm telling you, we we should desire and live such a, a way that we are able to leave a spiritual, but I do also believe a financial inheritance. So, Verse 18, it lasts forever, a godly heritage, but I want to see verse 19. God's provision will always be there. Look, they shall not be ashamed in the evil time, and in the days of famine they shall be satisfied. In the days of famine they shall be satisfied. God's provision, it will be supernatural. Even in the time where there is drought in the land, God will raise up Joseph's. I truly believe it. God has oftentimes used his people to, to save the world. I'm telling you, study history. Most of the medical, um, you know, discoveries and, and things of this nature of medicine and things that broke, uh, you know, viral disease and many of those, you, you can point back to Christian scientists. I can promise you. And so we've got to hold to that. I I do believe we are facing some difficult days ahead, but because we are in him, because we are his, we can know that we will have our needs met even in the famine. And I'm telling you, I've seen this to be true. I've seen God. Dress a table for me in, in, the, in the presence of my enemies. <laughs> when, when people tried to sabotage me and God promoted me, I've seen God to be faithful and I just want to encourage us tonight to, to cling to Him in these difficult days. The legacy of the righteous, we'll continue this next time, but I just want to encourage each and every one of us tonight who are in Christ, your Father, he has you. He's gonna keep you. And I just wanna I wanna be the one in my line that people will know that I delighted in the Lord, that he was my everything, that there was nothing that mattered more to me than to be faithful to my God. And um, the wicked we know that they're in is soon coming. So guys, don't don't get frustrated and go on a rant on Twitter on social media tomorrow. We don't we, that doesn't accomplish much much, right? Get on your knees, pray about it. We should do the, the Bible says if good men if if the righteous do nothing, of course that the wicked will prevail. So I'm not saying that we just sit on our lazy boys. No, if God directs us to do something, we do it, right? But I want to just encourage us not to let it, don't fret, don't get upset, don't get angry. Don't allow it to take your joy away tomorrow that the wicked seemingly is, is prospering. Because we, we know their end. It's destruction. And, it, and um, instead of being upset with them, we truthfully, if we thought in that way, I think we'd pity them. We'd pray for them. We pray for our enemies that's a normal thought right somebody said that right Phil? pray and love those who hate us and uh, I wouldn't wish hell upon my, wish my worst enemy and God said in his word he's not willing that any should perish but that all comes to repentance so I think we should all be praying for these people in power and those you know in influence, who are purveyors of wickedness, that, that they should come under the fear of God. That there would be a revival that hits. That these men and women would repent and turn to God. You know, revival, you know, revival is happening when the most notorious sinner in the, in the, in the city comes to Christ. And that's what I want to see. I want to see some people up in Sacramento bow the knee to Jesus, right? And um, God is able to do that. We're, we're not giving up. We're going to keep pressing in because God is able. He's able. He's so able. But I'm going to pray. The altar is open tonight. If God has spoken to you in some way, I want to talk to whoever today you say, Pastor, I, I I haven't been delighting in the Lord. Something is crowding out God in my life. And I want to get back to that. I remember when I couldn't get enough of his word or, or worship. And. I couldn't wait to get to church. I couldn't wait to be with his people. You know, one of the signs that you aren't close to God is you don't want to be around his people. And I'm telling you, tonight you can come to the altar. You can forsake that way. You can repent, of whatever it is. And God will restore that joy, and that fellowship. And you can draw nigh to him tonight. He'll draw close to you.